Blog Talk Radio. All right. Sunday night, late night radio. What fun. Up this morning, looking for my shoes. Look behind the trunk, found the hesitation blues. Lordy, tell me how long. Lordy, tell me how long. Will I have to wait? Will I have to wait? Can I get you now? Can I get you now? Must I hesitate? episode here on Francie and Friends. Tonight we're supposed to have Joel D. Weinkoop. Um, I think he's running a little late, but right now we got Mr. Grabowski. Yeah, we have me. How you doing? Hello. I'm doing fine. Hello. I'm doing yeah, I fine. Seen you in a... <laughs> I haven't seen you in a uh, while. How you doing? Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Who's this again? I'm kidding. Blue. It's been so long. Hey, yeah, uh, yeah. I just so uh, got he, finished uh, doing some swimming. Doing some swimming. 
<laughs> which is always like nice with my little above ground pool that's been there for like three years and it's still intact and it <laughs> does the job and it's like I can actually swim and swim and swim and things and stuff and then I go back inside and I work on black bed sheets after I drip off a little bit which uh, I go back. Me, you got it's been like 110 okay. degrees here so I mean I have to I go in every once in a while, go back out, drip dry, go back into the computer, work more on the books, and then, yeah, and all the cats are, like, lying around, have some, like, nice juices from the backyard, like the passion fruit juice that I made with the Asian pears that I put in a blender with ice. That, That stuff is awesome. That stuff's awesome. So I have that. So it's kind of like um, a cycle throughout the day where I have some juice, go swimming, go back, drip dry, then go back to the computer, do some more things, stuff and things, you know, getting ready for Halloween. Yeah, uh, first, I mean, since you're talkative, uh, you've got big plans for Black Betsy Books. Do you want to talk about any of that? Oh, yeah, a lot. One thing, which is where, you know, what I just last said, (laughs) it's July, and we're getting ready for Halloween already. I always, I I mean, every year uh, our event is so huge that I wish I would have started earlier, and this year I am. And we've already gotten some Black Bedsheet Books authors um, that are going to be here, and uh, the Sacramento Public Library people like last year giving away free uh, used books but this year we're going to have an anthology for all the black bedsheet authors that are going to be here that have tables and uh, they're going to contribute a short story to that anthology and we're going to give them away free to all the kids and families and stuff and uh, we'll all sign them and it's cost effective because in the past you know I I fronted like uh, upwards to like 500 bucks worth of boxes of books uh, for some of our authors for their stuff, and I just can't afford that. This is not only cost-effective, but it's a great promo thingy, too, with all of us, and it'll be an exclusive edition. And at the same time, we hope to get like a lot of media coverage this year, too, so that's going to be groovy. Uh, and, and, And plus... I'm about to announce um, this week uh, our new comic book line. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I know yes. you've been working really going to start hard on with uh, uh, comics that uh, people have published from a, a, a few of my things from Red Wet Dirt. And um, uh, I'm learning the ropes with, uh, with redoing those. And then that's going to launch us. And then um, we're going to, like, get freelance people and and other stuff for a lot of our other authors and things. And just, you know, not just publish books, but publish comic books as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I I know you've been working hard on all that. And I've been trying to leave you alone as much as possible. Even though every now and again I might say, Nick! Oh, well, Nick. yeah. 
Can you, and can I've you been get putting out in, in the backyard, like um, setting stuff up for Halloween already. Neighbors are going to, especially the new neighbors next door, that took mm-hmm. over um, the past, a, a few months ago. Uh, they have no idea what's going to go down over here. But what may be an idea, because I, I have that, what, 12, 15-foot skeleton above the uh, makeshift, uh, makeshift swimming pool, and uh, they see it every day when they go, go out in their backyard. They were probably <laughs> warned, but they still have no idea to the extent that when you have the, of our Halloween stuff and about almost 1,000 people coming over. Halloween, they're going to be overwhelmed if they don't know any better, if they weren't forewarned by the people that owned the house before them, you know. But, woo. What? What? Oh. Oh, Francie was something, um, any, all kinds of things going on. Morris. Morris is one of our new cats. He's kind of new but old. Old. He found his way home after three, about two and a half years gone. Yeah, about two years ago. He was here, and I was going to get ready to get him fixed and everything, and then he disappeared, and I thought he got hit by a car. And then in the pouring rain a few months ago, he showed up all of a sudden with a uh, clip on his ear. And uh, it looked like uh, somebody got him and then brought him back. Or t- I don't know. but And now he's he, he came back here. He thinks that this is his home, and it is. So, anyway. He's part of the family. He's what? He's part of the family. Yeah. Yeah, we love him. Yeah. Are we the only people? It looks like it. I don't know. Let me refresh. Wow. Maybe. Let me see. Yeah, because I'm, I'm a little shocked about this, too, because uh, Joel D. Winecoop called us, and he's been wanting to well, show um, what, um, uh Since this, this is a Joel D. Winecoop show, um, uh, talk about his past, because I've talked to him. I, I mean, I've been on the show for and on the sponsor and everything. So we've had conversations, lots of conversations whenever he's on um, the show and everything, too. So he's really cool with both of us. Uh, maybe something happened. I hope not. But uh, tell, tell, uh, tell the listeners about what you know about um, his career. Uh, he's, he's like the king of B-rated movies. I mean, that's that's what Joel D. Wine, he's a great actor. He's comical. He's funny, and yet he can do horror. He, he does horror with a smile. Is basically what Dildy Wanku does. And uh, maybe maybe we can talk to him later on tonight and uh, figure out what happened. But yeah, Dildy Wanku, he's a stand-up guy. He probably did have something that happened because you know he was all excited about doing the show this week, and I told him. You know, yes, most definitely we're going to do the show, and he would have definitely called in and left. Yeah, and I had a conversation with him, too, this past week um, with you um, when I was asking him about some of the stuff that I saw 
on Facebook that he's doing lately. And uh, I, I, I saw one thing, and he said, no, there's a bunch of things. So, yeah, in fact, uh, I think he told him, yeah, in. you can, like, uh, exploit that. And, um, yeah. I think he just called in. Oh, that that would be groovy. <laughs> that would be groovy, coolies. Area code 813. Great. Hey there. It's Joel. We were just talking oh, about you. That's the great Joel that we were, we were talking about you behind your back. Was it anything good or was it all bad? Oh, it, it was, was all good. good. It's a, there's nothing good that, that uh, I mean, there's nothing good. There's nothing bad that can come from you. Oh, that we know of, anyway. I mean, you know. I had plumbing problems, and I, I had to take care of that. I'm like, I'm trying to get on the show, and I'm trying to stop the water, and so I fixed that, and then I said, i got to run in there and call the show. Yeah, we did say something had to happen to Joe D. Weinstein for him not to call in. I'm doing all these, trying to do all these good things. I, I walk and run five miles a night. I got the television show on now. I got two movies I'm working on. I got a comic book I'm working on. And I'm trying to do all these good things. And then that happens. And then my leg kind of freezes up and, and starts to hurt when I'm running. And uh, I'm like, man, I'm trying to do good things for myself. Don't be against me. And then, and then I come home and have problems with the with the sink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's the story of our lives, too. I mean, you try to climb up that mountain, you know, and then things make you fall a little down, but you still get things accomplished. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to keep on going. You can't, you know, tough, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> wow. We all have our little dramas. Yeah, what a mess. So how are you two doing? We're doing good. Good. Yes. Yes. How are you? Besides all that, I'm doing O A O K. That's good. You gave an announcement. Uh, I think this is something that Nick would be interested. In. What you mentioned is that you're doing these comic books. Yeah, now I'm doing. Now I'm working on the comic book with uh, Jesse Hansen is the artist. He's actually worked for Marvel. Um, he'll be oh, wow. doing my uh, my Force Nine comic book. I. I drew it and sold issues of it before at conventions, but my uh, to, to repeat Dave Cockrum, the, the the illustrator of the X Men, rest in peace, Dave. But you're kind of a dick to me. When I showed him my artwork, I said, "Mr. Cockrum, what do you, what do you think of my artwork?" He goes, "It looks like a big piece of shit. You need a lot of help in anatomy drawing." And I said, "Oh, I'm never going to buy another X Men comic again," because um, yeah. I was like, you know. You, you can tell me it's not good. But I mean, I, personally, if someone said, hey, Mr. Wanka, would you look at one of my movies? I wouldn't look at it and go, oh, this is a big piece of shit. You know, I would never yeah. be that big whatever. I would say, oh, it's, you know, it's kind of rough around the edges, but it's pretty cool. Don't give up. Keep working on it. Maybe do this and that to make it better, but it's good. But I wouldn't say, it's a big piece of shit. You need to make, make better movies. You know, <laughs> who am I to tell him that? Who's, yeah, yeah, Dave Cox with Marvel Comics, yeah. But you can be at least a little decent. He could have said, oh, buddy, this is pretty good, but you need to get your anatomy. The chest should be here. The muscle is one part, then the second part of the muscles. and the You know, like that. You know, he didn't help me anything by telling me it's a piece of shit. That didn't help me at all. Oh, well, thanks a lot, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure many of us have, have been told from time to time that our 
um, art, um, whatever it is, uh, you know, whether it's like uh, drawing Ooh. or uh, the written word or movies. Uh, it's, it's just all a piece of shit. <laughs> and like, yeah. But then there are people that appreciate it too, though. And stuff. So, is this particular comic? Um, um, are you the central character in it? Yeah, my character I created for myself way back, and that's and I saw something in. Um, I was looking at some stuff in, on Facebook, and somebody had put this shout up of one of the characters from the Legion of Superheroes, and I go. I have never seen him in the Legion of Superheroes, and I, and I followed the Legion of Superheroes from back, I don't know, in the 80s, you know, off and on. Never seen this character. This character has a half, a black half mark on his chest, but his is waist up, and then it turns into an arrow at the top of his chest. Well, that's, I did my character long before DC Comics did theirs. I have a character called Alpha, and he has uh, black boots, real cool black boots, then black you know, tights like Spider-Man would have, and they, they're black, and they come all the way up onto his chest, but it, right below his chest, it turns into an arrow that shoots up into his neck. And this guy from um, uh, Legion of Superheroes says the same thing, and I'm going, well, I hope they never say that, you know, you can't you no, no, I did mine. I was doing mine way back in 1974. So you want to go to war with me? <laughs> go, I got the proof. I'll take it to court and go, Look, this was drawn in 1974. There's the arrow. This guy didn't come along to the year 2000-something. Wow. <laughs> wow. Are you talking about um, arrow or lightning bolt like Shazam? Oh, or, or like um, an arrow like a bow and arrow? Even we were even, even watching the DC thing about, you know, I've, I've long since the 70s, uh, Captain Marvel was always Captain. There was Captain Marvel in the Marvel books. There was Marvell who is um, yeah. Rick Jones would put his bracelets together and he would take his place in, in uh, mid-space or whatever and Captain Marvel would come to Earth and fight crime and then they would switch places and Rick Jones would come back down to be with the Hulk and stuff. But in Captain Marvel, Billy Batson would say, Shazam! And then he becomes Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel was a full-grown adult. Well, until it got up, chased up until nowadays, within the last three years, DC Comics lost the war to Marvel. DC Comics was not allowed to call him Captain Marvel anymore. That's why they yeah. had to say, now he's called Shazam. And that's not, and I hate that because I'm like, are you telling me? Because these two companies couldn't, Marvel couldn't say, all right, you can call him Captain Marvel. We're going to let this thing slide. And, and can't keep these properties together because they have a Captain Marvel and DC Comics has a Captain Marvel. You know, there's no reason why they couldn't have just let it go because it was there long in the 70s before Marvel ever did any Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel from um, DC Comics, and before that um, with another comic, and then in the 40s or 50s with the serials that they showed at the movie theaters. You go and see 20 minutes, and then you come back next week and see the other 20 minutes. Um, so, yeah, so my character, Alpha, he's, he's been around for a long, long time since the 70s, way longer than Legion of Superheroes. And then, like I said about... Captain Marvel has the lightning, and that's not even the proper lightning. The proper lightning was one-sided. Now this Captain Marvel has it on two sides. I guess, uh, you know, whatever. Like, like when they did, uh, when they did um, uh, the all-new 52 in DC Comics, where they updated all the superheroes. Uh, it could have been done for that, I think, but I think Marvel, Captain Marvel came out later. But the point was, then he was a full-grown adult. Now they made him so. And Billy Batson says Shazam. Billy Batson is still. Captain Marvel, but they have to call him Shazam, but he's acting like a 15-year-old kid. You know, even the yeah. Justice League, they're like, we can't have kids. We can't have the Teen Titans come become parts of the 
Justice League. We don't have kids in here. And they go, what about Captain Marvel? Or what about Shazam? And they're like, well, he's the exception because he's a full-grown adult, but he's still 15 years old. And I, I hate that. I don't like – I don't want to see my full-grown superhero, Captain Marvel, acting like, oh, I can fly. What do you do? This is fun. <laughs> I don't want to see him like that. I want to see Captain Marvel like Captain Marvel when he fought Superman. That's my Captain Marvel that I want to see. But and whatever. when he fought Black Adam, and Black Adam was a minor character. Yeah. Uh, but it was his, uh, uh, it was Captain Marvel's, like, um, like to Captain Marvel, it was like to Lex Luthor to Superman, pretty much in the comics <laughs> for a while. But he was a minor character, and then they made a whole movie out of him with no Shazam, no Captain Marvel, none, none of that. I mean, the, the whole state of the whole, uh, I could go on to, with the with the cinematic universe with Marvel and DC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, and then that kind of brings it around to, and we were watching, my wife and I, Kathy, we were watching, we were watching this thing, we've watched part one and part two of the DC Superhero Universe, which is really, really cool, because a lot of things I didn't know, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know that, about their creations, I knew about the comic code, I knew how that came around, uh, when they burned the comic books and said they were evil, and, and all that stupidity of it all, um, yeah, but I other things that. that I didn't, yeah, but the other things that, like, I didn't know, and I was like, oh, cool, I, I didn't know, like, Bill Finger, uh, Bob Kane, finally, you know, kind of to me, Bob Kane didn't say a damn thing about Bill Finger. Bill Finger dies, somebody questioned it, and Bob Kane was, you know, he's on TV and he's saying this. He's going, oh, yeah, well, Bill Finger was my silent partner. He he made Batman, but uh, I drew Batman because Bob Kane was taking all the credit all those years, and Bill Finger was kind of destitute, had no money, never got any credit for Batman. But now that he's dead, then now now Bob Kane's like, oh, yeah, Bill Finger, yeah, he created Batman. That's right. Why didn't you tell, why didn't you say that way back in the 70s, man? You guys wow. were the king. He should have said Bill Finger created Batman way back. I was thinking of it as I was taking my walk and my run tonight. I go, what? why would you do that, man? You took all the credit, and this guy don't have no money. It's like, Jerry Suster and Joe Siegel, they created Superman. Basically, they gave, almost gave it away for nothing. And then, of course, they Superman. Got sued. They they got sued. Yeah. No, then there, there, was, there was a lawsuit. And, and Joe Siegel and Joe Suster, it took like 50 years or something. But they got money. Then when they, when they both died, because one went blind and the other one just old age, and then they, all, they both passed away. But I'm, I'm pretty sure at that point they had, they had money. DC Comics still had Superman, but they got the money that they deserve. Sort of like Stan Lee was, too, with Ari Arad. He was getting all the money for the Marvel movies, and Stan Lee wasn't getting credit for Spider-Man or Hulk or Iron Man or any all the things that he created. And Stan Lee had to sue Marvel Comics and Ari Arad to get the money he deserved for all his creation, and he got it. It's that, like it's these battles sometimes you have to endure to get what's rightfully yours. It's all battles for money. All it has to do is, as far as I'm concerned, is with corporations and money and securing rights yeah. so that they can make millions of dollars and and live in mansions and don't have to, you know, I mean, um, am I right? I mean, um, 
that has well, a lot to do with yeah. it. It's just uh, securing yeah. rights, making money for yourself, and and not really paying any attention to the little people that actually created this stuff. It 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 um, this this kind of thing resonates throughout um, not only comic dumb comic dumb. Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, just with writing fiction in the first place. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's amazing how people struggle for it, and it's all about the dollar. Why can't we just be like kids playing Dungeons and Dragons in our mom's basement and, and uh, sitting around going, you know what, we're going to develop this, and it's going to be cool. Yeah. If we make money off of it, then we do. But let's just have fun. Uh, there's yeah. no fun anymore. It's all corporate people designing films and comic books uh, uh, and and you know things to the masses that aren't like that anymore. With the innocence of let's just do this and have fun. It's all like corporations yeah. saying no, we're. No, that's not politically correct, or no, that's not going to be this way. No, we're going to yeah. do it this way. We're going to tweak it, and we're going to send it out, spend $200 million on it, and, you know, the whole nine yards. We um, we just watched this thing about It's like um, this show about how potato chips are created, how movies, how TV shows, and it showed one of the guys, um, they were going to do the promotion for Star Wars, and they went, to Mattel, and the guy was like, the toy show's over. And the guy was like, well, excuse me, I just want to show you this thing. Because this is something we're going to come out with. We need somebody to do the action heroes for. We want you to do it. And the guy looked at him, Star Wars, and he goes, movies don't do have anything to do with toys. That movie's not going to sell any toys. And the guy went, oh, okay. And then he walked away and he passed on it. And Star Wars was gigantic. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the foundation for Lucasfilm. In the, uh, yeah. the after right after the original Star Wars, I mean George Lucas got a ton of money because he got the rights for all the toys. Yeah, and there was a guy um, that, and I didn't. This is one of those things that go. I didn't know that. I forget his name, but he went to DC Comics and he said, "I want to buy the rights to Batman." And they go, "Okay, we're not really, you know, big thing with Batman right now." He bought the rights. Ten years later, he made the Batman movie with Michael Keaton. Because he he knew he knew that Batman would be something, and everybody else kind of just a lot of the the superheroes were given up on. They were just like, oh, Hawkman, nobody cares about him. Nobody cares about Black Canary. Nobody cares until they reintroduced them, like in the Justice League and stuff like that. And then then it was a bigger hit, and then then that's how they became more, you know, uh, accepted. And then the titles were starting to make money and stuff. That's but exactly anyway, right. That's totally off movie making, but yeah, I, I kind of get off on that stuff. Going, yeah, look at the you know the things they did and the things that they created, which is cool. But yeah, but like you say, and then it can, it can happen where well, the best example is Bob Kane just saying I created Batman, but when Bill Finger did it, and Bill Finger, and I know Bill Finger's granddaughter, Athena Finger, I met her. And she told me the story, too, that, yeah, my grandpa, you know, died destitute. He didn't have any money. He didn't. He never got any credit for Batman until things were brought up. And then Bob Finger was like, oh, oh yeah, by the way, oh, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, that's why he created him. I didn't. <laughs> but you took all the credit for all the years. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, they're, 
their their salvation is in the fact that if it wasn't for them, these characters would never be. Maybe other characters like them, but um, over and it's been like over a century now with these comic book characters and stuff. Even though they didn't get everything they deserved, at least yeah. um, they're cemented in time for creating these things, and the fandom knows better. And screw the corporate people. Yeah. And that's how it was that, um, like I said, we, I, I took you off on a, a whole another pattern, but when DC <laughs> Comics went in the day, it, it got where people didn't care and they were losing business and they were firing the, the writers and the characters and the writers. And the, and the guys said, why are we writing for you? We'll just start our own damn companies. And they quit DC and they quit Marvel Comics and they opened up Image and all these other you know, comic book places, um, and it, none of them can really, I don't think any of them can really compete with DC or Marvel, but it was because these, like, if you draw something from Marvel, if you go, hey, I created this new guy, it's uh, Ding Dong Man, and they're like, oh, that's cool, now it belongs to us, and the guy's like, wait a minute, I didn't give you, doesn't matter, you created it, and you presented it to us, now it belongs to us, we make the money off of Ding Dong Man, you get $400 a week, and Ding Dong Man <laughs> might make a billion dollars, you get 400 bucks. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, thanks to, uh, like, print on demand, um, I mean, in my industry, when it comes to publishing um, other people's books and my own, uh, and it's the same for comics, too. I mean, you can, like, have your stamp on on a comic book um, uh, uh, distributor or, or, you know, place – like DC or whatever that put a stamp, puts a stamp on whatever you do and that helps yeah. you. But uh, there's so many independent ones, and it's yeah. it's saturating the market. So many, so much talent, and the talent doesn't know what to do with their talent except to put it out and see what happens. But it, it saturates the whole market too. It's great yeah. stuff nobody's ever heard of before, barely. Yeah. That, and, um, you know, like my stuff, and um, probably like yours, a lot of friends of mine um, that um, has to compete with all this. And it's like whoever heard of Joel Wank, if we want to, what's the next Superman? Or, you know, stuff like that. But uh, still, um, it, it's, it's something powerful of a tool that we have yeah. to actually create and still put things out and see what happens at least before we die, you know. You, yeah, on the yeah. other end, Joel, um, because this is your show, um, uh, aside from the comics and all that, um, uh, your movies, we've got to talk about your movies, which is um, oh, what I believe is your, your legacy um, uh, and the longevity that you've had as like a... Uh, quote-unquote B-movie actor, but you've been doing this for so freaking long, and you've been on Francie's yeah. show a couple of two or three times, too, yeah. over the years, yeah. talking about that. So what do you have going on right now with, with well, movies? Right now, I just, uh, I've already had two episodes on television. Um, uh, two Wednesdays ago, my TV show premiered uh, No Budget Cinema. I'm the host, of course, because I'm doing all the work. I go to a, a, a studio, shoot it there on a green screen. Then I take it to the television station. Then I put it on TV. 
and then I put it out there for people to see. Now, on Wednesday nights, there's a bunch of options. They can watch it on their local cable broadcasting system, or if they don't get it local like you all, where you're at, your option would be on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. And if you have Roku, you can pick it up on Roku or Fire TV or Android or iOS, or you can just go straight to the uh, the television station website, which is tbcn.org. As soon as you get there, it gives you an option. You click live TV, and boom, there you go. Hey, it's Joel Weinkoop on the No Budget Cinema. Tonight, we're going to be watching my latest movie 187 times. So I introduce it. You get to see the movie. Then I have a little outro at the end where I say, thanks a lot for watching. See you next week. This is what we're doing. Sometimes if I have time in my two-hour spot, I might put a little um, little special events that I, that I have or shot, um, stuff like that. And that plays on Wednesday. And then Saturday night, it plays again, but only on two television stations in Tampa. And one of them is Spectrum, and they're, they're screwing it up because the, the show comes on with no audio. But the one that's Frontier, which used to be called Verizon, theirs is good on Saturday night. Their, theirs plays good, but Spectrum doesn't. So the next Wednesday, uh, I come back on on um, all those channels again on Wednesday night. You can, you know, hit it on tbcn.org. You can get it on Apple TV, Fire TV, iOS, Android, or Roku. So you can watch it, you know, over in Australia if you want. And anybody can see this show. But so many people go to me, I can't get it. They're, you know, they're not even trying. They just look at it and go, I can't get that. And then they, they're done. They won't. So I have to, it's almost like, I almost have to, like, go to their house. Can I come in? Yeah, okay. Let's Give me a remote control. Boom, 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 boom. There it is, channel 638. Oh, yeah. Why didn't you do this by yourself? Now, the spectrum is my next-door neighbor. He don't get it. My The neighbor down the street, because I tell him, they go, Joel, we're trying to watch it, but in any – I go, well, that, that's on spectrum. I, how can we put a man on the fucking moon and we can't make a cable service so somebody can see a damn movie? I don't get it. You know, we can orbit we can orbit Saturn. We can think about sending colonies to the moon. We can spill, build space stations, but we can't get the signal to go from here to there. Why? You know? So but the, the the next Wednesday night I had the bite on and recently I'm I'm with um Wild Eyes picking up the bite, so I actually went to them and I said, Rob, is it okay for me? to put the bite on television because you guys now own the rights for the next blah, blah years. I said, because I sold it to you through Donald Farmer. And, um, yeah, man, would that be fine? And, and me and Rob are really close. I, I get very close with all my distributors. Uh, uh, Darren from Brain Damage and, and Ron from Sub Rosa and uh, Rob from Wild Eye and there's a couple other ones. And I know all those guys. I went, it's fun because what you just said, how long I've been in the business, what, I think it was Rob or it might have been Darren he goes, Joel, I've known you. He goes, I saw Lost Faith when it was in New York Video Store back in 1992 or whatever it was. He goes, you know, we all know you. We all have you. They all distribute my movies. So, um, so yeah, so that's cool. So I, I'm always looking for one more avenue. So this Wednesday night, it's going to be Phil Herman's Doomsday Store. And this, like I said, this is something you guys can watch. Uh, this Wednesday night will be Phil Herman's Doomsday Stories. And then it'll repeat again locally on Saturday. I have Frontier. We can see it. The people of Spectrum, I, some people are seeing it. Some people aren't. It's the case. It's totally the fault of the cable. So I put it on them because I know 
I've seen everything perfect on Wednesday night. Why they can't recreate that on, you know, four days later or three days later, I don't know what the what the problem is. But this Wednesday will be Phil Herman's Doomsday Stories. And one of my shorts is in that. Uh, Phil and I worked on that together. And then it will repeat on Saturday. Then the next Wednesday I show Doomsday Stories, Past and Crew Confidential, which is all the actors from the movie talking about, you know, what they're doing in the future, what they did in the past, um, what they're doing right now. They tell stories of how it was to work. You hear from my wife, Kathy, talking about us shooting it. You hear from me. You hear from Phil. One of my biggest things is this. I say, you actor, get a car to get to your set. Don't call me two days before the shoot and go, oh, no, the car, I can't get there. Well, I wish you would have told me that two months ago because now i got to recast the part in two days. So, Doomsday's going to play. Then the next Wednesday, the next Wednesday and Saturday, it'll be the Craigline Incident, then the Craigline Incident 2, then the Craigline Incident 3. Then I have four shorts I'm going to play. Uh, with all with an intro from me introducing each short Diary of Blood, Hess, the Paranormal Club, and something else. I think I have it on the screen. So, so um, in other words, too, for uh, uh, those listening, uh, you introduce these uh, shows. Yeah. So and, and can, that makes and, you and a horror show. host. Yeah. Well. I don't do it like um, I do. I do have a character called um, Otto, and it's, the whole show is called um, Doctor Otto's Video Emporium. And I'm working on that show with a- Andy Lolino, who did Brain Jack and the other ah. show, along with Jason Gordon Lewis and um, and um, Andrew Allen. But me and Andy have been working on this for a while. I created a character, kind of like a Sven Gulli. And uh, but I didn't do that on the show I'm doing now. It, for me to do it alone, it's a lot of work, and I'd be doing everything. And I, I, I didn't have the patience. I said, I'll just put on a suit and tie, and I don't even like doing that. But I put a suit and tie on. I get out in front of the green screen, introduce him. But Dr. Otto, I'm going to play two characters, kind of like Sven Gulli. I'll play two characters, and uh, I'm going to be like, I'll just Dr. Otto, I got the new video. We're going to show to everybody tonight. Hey, Lulu. Catch! And it shows me throwing the videotape, and then I'll play another character catching the videotape. I'll go to the doctor, I'll put it in the VCR! And then we'll go back to the doctor. Good, Otto, that's a good boy. Push the button if this player, that's what makes it move. You know, and then the movie will come on. But that I need to have, you know, a stage, and, and like Sanguli has, he has props and desks in front of him or, or skulls and all, and I don't want to get into all that shit. Not by myself. Forget that. So we're going to the yeah. television station saying, this is what we have to offer. Why don't you give us a shot to put the show on and, and let viewers see a little, you know, Dr. Paul Bear, which, which is done. I say, you know, let us run and, and give us something to do this. And we'll talk about money later. Um, so, yeah, so that's another show that I want to do. I'm doing no budget cinema, just myself. But oh. Dr. Otto, I want to do it with Annie Lolino. And then, but plus, I'm working on the Owen Brothers with Phil Herman. I'm in the middle of editing that. And I'm in the middle of editing um, my short, which is called uh, All Chopped Up and Nowhere to Go for Ice Lay on Christmas, which another thing Phil and I are doing together. And then I have a movie after that called Beast Mode. I, I had to stop shooting that when the pandemic hit because this, that movie was all me grabbing people and putting them in my face, and we couldn't do it during the pandemic. So, 
and then I'm I'm back to um, the the television studio te- to also teaching my acting classes. So oh, and then I have my comic book Force Nine that I just finished the script. I just sent it to Jesse, my artist, and he's got to you know he's he's starting to lay out this week. I hope to have it all done by August. I've already got a show at Emerald City Comics. I'll be going there maybe end of August, September, um, to have my first you know premiere of the comic book, and there's a whole bunch of people will come and. They come in, they, they buy the comic for me, and they'll, they'll, I'll sign it. And uh, so it's just one more thing. But, yeah, for the whole entertainment field, I've been doing this for 45 years. I basically started in 1974 with Super 8 movies. One question. Yeah. You do realize there's only 24 hours in the day, right? When the hell do you sleep? Francie, I just told my wife this last night. I go, I'm going to have to start staying up and working overnight again because I can't, you know, spend my time with her, have dinner with her, lunch or breakfast, watch our TV shows, get back here, uh, do the Facebook, do the emails, do the editing, uh, write scripts for TV shows, uh, write scripts for the comics, draw the comic because I draw the comic book too and I send it to him and he just, Redoes it, but he does it really good. I can't do it really good, but he does. But it's, they're all my ideas. So I just said that the other night. I said I'm gonna have to start pulling all nighters. I used to, when I was doing my TV show, the other side, I, I was I was I was up almost. I don't know. I get get out of bed like eight in the morning, nine in the morning. I'd be up around ten or eleven, maybe even five in the afternoon. I would start editing. And I'd be seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. The editor would drop everything. I'd be, oh my God, I gotta start all over again. Pull the editor back Dang. up, put all the pieces back in, start cutting. I would still be on the computer at six o'clock the next morning. My wife would get up and come on. She's, oh my God, have you been up all night? And I go, yeah, I gotta get this show from. I gotta get into the TV station. And then I would finally get it done, and then I would crash and burn for you know fifteen hours. <laughs> and it's if someone told me to be like, hey, I want to start a TV show or two, I go, don't, don't. It's too much fucking work. You got to get the show. You got to edit it. You got to put it together. You got to go to your studio. Then you got to go to the TV station. And then they promise some things. And then those promises aren't working. And then you promise your next door neighbor, oh, you can watch it Saturday at 8 o'clock. And they're like, I can't get it. It's showing an auction. Some guy's selling a car. And I'm like, oh, fucking A. Why doesn't it work? Why doesn't it work? <laughs> <laughs> Why doesn't it just work like it's supposed to? <laughs> wow. Joe, you're probably uh, one of the most dramatic uh, guests that we've ever had on, on this show since 2009. <laughs> but I love your passion. <laughs> and, you, you know, you tell it like it is. Yeah. And, 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 and I'll be. I don't want to get on this. I'm just going to say it once a little bit. I don't get the actor strike. I understand actors want to make more money, but this, this is where, to me, it's, I kind of call bullshit because they, they're in L.A. We're on strike. We can't, we can't do anything. You know, we can't do our TV shows. We can't do any acting. We can't make any money on this. We're on strike. Bullshit. Right here in Tampa, on the 28th, they're having the Tampa Comic-Con. All these actors are coming, and they're making fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a day. So don't tell me you're on strike. Yeah, all these, all these people in movies, they make money, of course. You know, I mean, everybody knows yeah. that. 
And I heard because of Fran Drescher, Fran, Fran Drescher, uh, uh, who's the um, the lead of the uh, Screen Actors Guild, um, uh, said, okay, we're going to go on strike. So in the middle of, like, some premiere movies, all the actors left. Well, halfway through watching the films, whatever they were, I yeah. forgot, new ones. But, um, yeah, and everybody you know, went on the streets with their <laughs> because of Fran Drescher, she says so. I'm just, you know, what I hear on the news, it's it's ironic <laughs> that one person can say to the legions of actors, okay, let's strike. <laughs> Everybody has to leave. But, that, you know, that's the thing. You're saying strike, don't do this, we have to go on strike. In other words, you're saying don't do your job. You're not going to get any money. It's no different than when Crystal Water went on strike. I crossed the line because I go, look, man, I got four kids to feed. I said, I got to take care of my house. I got to pay my rent. Fuck you. I got to keep working. And they came. They followed us in the stores. They followed me. I'm bringing my bottle of water. And they got, they got megaphones. And they're going, Crystal Water sucks. This guy's in the AHA. And they're doing it in front of my customers. They splashed our tires. They would go throw oh. your cars, they smash your windows, they started your cars on fire. That's bullshit, man. So, wow. so if they really want to say, let's go on strike, then all them fucking actors that are coming to Tampa, they should be on strike then. Don't go get sixty, seventy thousand dollars And they're making that because they want $20, $50 for an autograph. The comic convention pays them ten grand to come and be here in Tampa. They put them up in hotels. And they tell them, they tell the people that are coming, you can't talk to the actors about their TV show. So if you go to meet The Flash, Grant Gustin, hey, Grant, nice to meet you. Thanks. I love you on The Flash. I can't talk about that. Well, I just, I like it when you're, I can't talk about that. I can't talk about anything. Oh, that's wow. bullshit, man. If I'm coming to see The Flash, I want to talk to The Flash, you know? So don't tell me I'm strike because you're making $80,000 a day. On strike means you make nothing, nothing. Yeah, well, yeah that's Sorry. true. That's I hate I to say about. it. I hate to say it. People might hate me, but try that in a small town. <laughs> I, 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 never mind. <laughs> had to say that. Had to, had to, had to say I had that. a feeling that was going to come up from one of you guys. I'm sorry, I don't want to do that. Industry sucks. Industry sucks. In a lot of ways, there's a lot of problems. And you know what, Joel? Um, just yeah. like me, just like so many people that I know in my in in this industry, uh, I'm in the book industry, horror fiction. Um, I, I I want to go. In, I want to direct a couple of movies before I die, or whatever. Um, and stuff like that, but I mean, us independent people, we're yeah. the people that matter these days more than yeah. ever. Yeah, we, we, us independents, we, we, uh, we can shape the industry because the industry is falling the fuck apart. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, I, I, and, I, I, and, and we can do it just with our own money. Uh, fuck Disney, fuck that, you know, whatever. You know, we could do it ourselves. That's what independent yeah. people are all about. Generate you know, that, our own money and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that, whole thing. That's, that's what DC and Marvel did. All these guys, 
there were there are artists that are doing Spider-Man and Thor, and they're saying, why are we doing this? Let's start our own company. So they all walked from Marvel and DC, and they went and started a company called Image. They started working for themselves. So you had the actors, too. The only difference is Hollywood, that's why a lot of production, yeah, there's some production in Florida, but most of all your production, I would say 90%, if not more, is all in Los Angeles. I mean, there's some in North Carolina, but truly most of your shit is all shot in Los Angeles. And I've been on movies where they go, yeah, Joel Weinkamp, we're paying you, you're here. Oh, yeah, we're flying this guy in from L.A., this guy in from L.A., and Florida's got no talent. We have to bring these guys in from Los Angeles. Well, you know, that's bullshit. But one thing Florida people have to do is do the right thing. They can't bitch and moan. They don't do that in Hollywood. I've been on shoots where they, they set the whole... Shot up for the guy and Daniel Rowan um, from uh, Matlock and uh, you know uh, Matlock was and Lost Joe Lost he was shooting a commercial and he goes I want this set up a certain way so they set it all up but then when they got the the crew and they got it all set up to shoot he goes yeah I don't like this let's break it down and go back to the living room and the guys are all oh fuck me man and you know how long I worked all this shit he goes you know how I can I can replace you with a Hollywood they don't bitch. In Los Angeles, you say change it. They go, yes, sir, and they break it down. They set it back up in the other room. Here you guys whine like a bunch of whoopies, you know, pussies or something. You know, do your job. Do your fucking job. And that's, you know, that's what you got. I mean, that, that, that's the mentality. You have to, you know, if you're doing something for them, do your. It, it's totally different between here and Los Angeles. You know, you're in Los Angeles. You don't go, oh, I don't want to do that. I always say a lot of my, where I work on independent films, movies, I can say, uh, I had an idea, I was going to do it this way, is that okay, with the director, Todd Sheets, Tim Ritter, uh, well, a bunch of directors that I've worked for, I'm like, no, man, Todd Sheets told me, he goes, no, dude, that's why I hired you, I expected you, because I changed the script, he goes, for Clownado, I go, I did this, this, and this, Todd, we're getting my baggage at the airport, because he flew me in, and I go, I hope that's okay, he goes, dude, that's why I hired you, he goes, I knew you would do this, and I get on set, and he lets me go, off, you know, and you can do that here, but I can't go to Los Angeles and be working on the television Supernatural and I'm going to the director, hey, I had an idea, and he's just going to go shut the fuck up and do what I tell you to do. Uh, Jackie yeah. Gleason did that. Jackie Gleason had the honeymooners and, and stuff, and he went on, I think it was um, No Time for Sergeants, but I'm, don't quote me, I'm, I'm not positively sure, but it was on some movie being made about the Army, and, and Jackie Gleason did his his um, lines for the director, and then Jackie Gleason, at the end of his lines, he went, and away we go, swinging his hands, and the director goes, what the fuck was that, Mr. Gleason? And he goes, oh, I, I kind of do that on my television. He goes, don't fucking ever do that again. You do the lines I tell you, fat boy. We don't, you don't make up shit. You do what I say. Do you understand, fat boy? And he's like, okay, I'm sorry. You know? Oh, wow. Oh, wow, wow. So, yeah. But, you don't you know, go no, back, uh, up against glass. I mean, you know, the, I, I can understand in a way from the director who has a vision. But, I mean, if I was a director and I was directing freaking Jackie Gleason and he said that, I would go, yes, that's a cut. Keep it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they weren't a lot like that in those days. And they were very uppity. A director on Batman, um, he he would go, he'd go, oh, come on, Batman, do it again, do it again. And Adam West finally went to him and goes, look, you're a really, you're a really rude person. And, and, yeah. uh, and then he did it to, 
the guy that was playing Alfred, he goes, come on, old man, can't you do it better than that? And that's when Adam yeah. West goes, hey, what? And Adam West really was nobody because when he got Batman, he told his agent, he goes, I want this and this and this. And his agent told him, he goes, he goes Adam, he goes, anybody can wear this mask. Just be happy you're getting the job. Lyle Wagner was supposed to get it before Adam West was supposed to get it. And a bunch of slew. They looked at Robert Conrad and a whole bunch of other actors. And they were and Clint Eastwood. And they were just like, I can't see them in, in a Batman suit. But they were all, you know, looked at before Adam West ever got it. And Adam West was told by his agent. he Basically, the agent was going, don't get cocky, man. Just be glad that you're getting a TV series. Basically, that was it. And then he shut his mouth. And he's like, okay, whatever they say, I'll be Batman. And Burt Ward, he was ecstatic to get it. He, whatever you tell, he was half the time on Batman. He was half the time blown up because their special effects would blow up and land on top of him, and he's tied up because he's really tied up on Batman. For uh, and the shit would land on him and cut him and blow up on his body, mm-hmm. and they'd have to put out the extinguishers. And he was running away from Bruce Lee. He was like Bruce. We're, we're just we're just pretend fighting. Don't hurt me. <laughs> Shit like that. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and, uh, but yeah, with all the shit he went through, and then nobody gave a shit. They said when they would come out and and, and Burt Ward got in the car with the stuntman for Batman, Burt Ward goes, why am I here? And the stuntman was going, well, it's a stunt. It's very, very dangerous. And Burt Ward was like, why am I in the car? Where's my stuntman? Oh, you don't have a stuntman. Just hang on. You'll be fine. <laughs> And he's okay, but Burt Ward got his nose busted and his arms broke and shit. And you're like, damn. And they're just uh, Alfred Hitchcock was, you know, took uh, one of the, uh, I can't remember it, in the birds, because I remember talking to Chippy Hedron, because I don't want to talk about that. Um, but with Alfred yeah. Hitchcock. I, I can't imagine with Bert Ward, though. I, I've heard stories, but uh, 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 acting as Robin that whole time and stuff, uh, his um, groin region kept getting tighter and tighter because they tried to, uh, you know, kind of make it so that he was androgynous almost. The poor dude. Yeah, they, the, they, they put him in something because one of the guys was watching through the camera, and he goes, is that his thing moving back and forth? And they go, yeah, he's just very, very large there. And they were like, we've well, yeah. got to do something for moving around. And when they put their seatbelts on, you can see it. And, yeah, he had to have special something there to keep that moving around. That, yeah, again, and, I mean, and, that's, uh, a, that's, that's a whole different story. But, yeah, I mean, it um, is. <laughs> how do <laughs> that you, is. You You're have, talking about the old Batman and stuff. I, I, one thing on a side note also is that uh, I, I've been a big fan of, um, of the original Batman series, and man, you know, um, uh, I, I, I think um, uh, some of those people, Bert Meredith, actually, I mean, he used to drop acid with uh, the guy that created, uh, 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 oh, um, uh. Uh, um, isolation tanks <laughs> Wow And stuff, that was neat But um, Adam West though God bless him, God rest his soul uh, uh, If it wasn't for him Being typecast like that I, yeah. He could have really been A huge actor and won an Academy Award For a great dramatic role But the Thanks. Batman thing like Kept him from it because he was so They were also typecast All of those people uh, I mean, you know, anyway, that's a side note. 
they knew that. They knew that going in. Uh, William Shatner, same thing. But it ain't. Hey, there's your difference. William Shatner, big, huge, gigantic star, all the way up until he's 90 years old and still a big, gigantic star. Adam West, of course, passed away, but he didn't. He didn't go on like Shatner did from Star Trek to all these other things. And then following all the star, Batman did the movie, and then 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 Batman, Adam West, and Burt Ward, they tried to sue. Uh, Warner, who, who who did the Batman movie with Michael Keaton, because Adam West said, "Well, I can I can play Batman straight," and Burt Ward was yeah, like, Adam West wanted to play that role. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, like yeah. I said, it's just you know, for that, and there's there's Hollywood in there. But I, I see independent filmmakers. They're like, "Oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna side with the actors in Hollywood and not make my movie." Oh, shut up! Just make your fucking movie. That you know what? Hollywood doesn't give a shit about you. Making your fucking yeah. little B movie, and you it, think, you think LA is going to shut down if I say, "Hey, Joel Wankins on strike for B movies. I want Los Angeles to get behind me. And you guys all go on strike for me." You think they're going to do that? They're going to go. We don't even know who the fuck you are, Joel Wankins. Shut up. Whatever, you know, I'll stand with you. But just, you know, you got a little B-move, just make your fucking movie, man. You think Hollywood gives a shit that you're making a movie or something? And again, the guys coming to the Tampa Comic-Con, they're not, they're not getting, they're not doing that for free. They're going to make a ton of money while they're on strike. The other actors are probably going, well, fucking A, Slash, how come you're making all this money? I ain't making shit. You made a hundred grand this weekend. I made nothing, nothing. Hey, hey, Joel, have you heard of this new stuff about AI writing scripts and things oh, these days? Yeah, I got to get another that? beer. I, I got to get another beer, but I'll be right back. But don't even get me started on that shit, because that's when I will just turn and start doing my comic books, and I won't ask anymore. <laughs> I'm going to have a shot, too. <laughs> I, I'm just coming out of the swimming pool right now. Uh, getting out. Excuse me, cat. Yeah, I've been in the pool most of the time with the phone. Just, you know. Great conversation. With I Joel. know. I love Joel. Love Joel. Yeah. Got a, oh, Francie, maybe you can come out and bring me a, a, a shot. I, I think I'm all out, out here. I'm dripping okay. like okay, Ghostbusters okay. too. Why am I dripping with goo? Alright, I got a beer. Bye. I, I, I'm walking. I'm walking. Let's stop the Nick. <laughs> oh, good. Right. I need a shot. Let's, let's talk about something else, like us. Yes. Yes. <laughs> true, the true, the Hollywood corporate chain. You what? Say again. I said, true, the Hollywood chain. Let's talk about us. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Uh. Uh, this oh, is your show, means... so more about uh, you than um, any of the rest of us. <laughs> uh, uh, that's, that's why we got you here. And, and, and you've been uh, on Francie and Friends in the past before, too. And I've enjoyed talking to you, and so has Francie. And uh, this is the first show where um, usually the, uh, the co-hosts uh, are, are supposed to be here, but they haven't because they've, there's, there's, like, emergencies and things going on. So it's uh, really the three of us. But Francie dropped me a note um, um, just like about ten minutes ago when I was in the pool, and it says, we are beating 
a Jason Aldean show right now on Block Talk Radio. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That cool, but... We were we're oh, number cool. three in popularity for live shows. Uh, there's fifteen hundred shows going on right now on Block Talk Radio. We are number three, and we are beating Jason Aldean's show. Yes. Oh, people awesome. are listening, are, Joel. Yeah, are people listening to us now? Can they? Do they do? Um, will they call in and stuff? Or actually, we got ten seconds left. Oh, we've got. Uh, yeah, we've been talking for an hour. It's almost the end. But uh, people have been able to call in, but no call-ins. But they, they'll be able to listen to everything in, in the archives. This, just like everything that Francie's done since 2009, you can actually listen to. And nowadays, even on iHeartRadio. Oh, very cool. And did you know, Joel, uh, just for little shits and giggles, um, Howard Stern has pranked our show. Oh, Really? Yes, and I got confirmation from that from one of my authors in New York driving down the freeway, and he recorded it for us. It's Actually, we put it on YouTube, uh, but on the Howard Stern show itself, they um, uh, put a segment of him pranking us. Yeah, it's during so the that was confirmation that that was legitimately him. Uh, it was uh, when Jerry Lewis died. It, it was our Jerry Lewis tribute show. And it called, oh, he also called in a few other times, too. But, yeah, so, you know, we're, we're uh, getting big there. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to send you the clip of that. Joel, I do want to continue yeah. this conversation. I think Nick wants to continue this conversation with you, too. And cool. the British woman is about to cut us off. Do you want to come back next week? Oh, Tracy, not next week. We got uh, Mary uh, Quijano. I want to put her on. She's one of my newest authors. The Indian Problem, uh, this really great horror book uh, about in the 1920s when the Catholic Church took over um, uh, the indigenous Indians in Canada and put them all in a boarding school. We, that's important. Yeah. Okay. No, uh, yeah, and, and, and any time after that, Tracy, we can have Joe back. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did she cut us Stop, off? We can cut off. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. and I, I want to see your um, uh, new movies. That one that we talked about this past week uh, on the phone it was by the Something Brothers. Oh, the Owen Brothers. That's the one we're working on. That's in my edit right now. I'm I'm working on that now. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw a thing on that on on Facebook, and I thought, yeah, Joel Whitecoop. He keeps going. Like the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that'd be great, Francie. You let me know. Yes. Yeah, um, I I remember uh, Cameron Scott introduced us. Wasn't it Cameron oh, Scott? Oh, that's right. Wait up. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, yeah, with the uh, truth in there and all that good stuff. Yeah. Nick, Nick did you ever see truth in there? Would you be one to a little short? I think I did. I, I think I did. That was that was back in the day. That was like uh, over ten years ago or something when you first started transmitting with your show. 
Oh, within about five years-ish or something when you first had Joel on? No, yeah. Joel's no. been on my show, I think, since South when I was in South Carolina. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think we've I think we've been together, Joel, for twelve years. Yeah, I said though it went way back, so yeah, yeah, at least that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, because Cameron Scott used to be the co host and Cameron introduced Yeah, Cameron Scott. I remember Cameron Scott and all the other uh, other independent film directors like uh John Vitello, which uh yeah. we came very close to doing a movie. Directed by him. Yeah. I'm going to direct it. <laughs> I've got the screenplay. I've got to change it around and do some things and stuff. And yeah, I, I was thinking about Joel. Well, not not leading, but one of the characters. Uh, uh, we got to figure all that out. Would you be in this movie, Joel? Oh, sure. That would be great. I'd love that. Yeah, yeah. I got a. I got a. Have you heard of Two Foot Fred from Big and Rich? Uh, he was dwarf that was exploit. All Big and Rich thing, country music. He was a part of that. I met with him in Nashville for that script because he's small. He was gonna. I was gonna cast him as a coroner where the coroner's office was as small as he was, and all us tall people had to, like, uh, you know, uh, lean down in order to get in. <laughs> and he absolutely loved it. Wow. Yeah, I want to do that. I want to do that movie so bad. So I just got to figure out how I'm publishing. Every, I've got, like, 200 authors. And uh, it keeps me busy. <laughs> it's the family business. Like that, she books and stuff. It's the same. It's the same. It's, we're all the same business. You know, I do movies, you do books. But this guy does a fishing show. One guy is a professional bowler. Then professional golfer. And we're all in the same boat. We're trying to do things that make us happy, that entertain people. You know, golfers want to. You know, golfers don't give a shit about movies and and your books, but they give a shit about you know going to you know. Uh, Golfing, you know, things and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, when I give advice to writers, um, I I always talk about it. It doesn't make you um, a, a great person just by you know writing a book. You could be a plumber, and you can do everything it takes to be the best plumber you can. Go to plumbing conventions and everything yeah. that'll make you exactly the same. And you're passionate about it. That's your success. That's you. It, it yep. works with everybody, not just in entertainment. Um, yeah. uh, but, I mean, it, it works for everybody. But, I mean, as far as we are concerned, we're in the enter- entertainment industry, whether it comes to yep. you know, books, movies, acting, uh, you know, the music or that that kind of thing. So, you know, um, and, and we're creators technically. Um, but that doesn't make us. That doesn't separate us from the, the rest of the rest of God's civilization on planet Earth. You know, yeah. um, uh, we just do what we do because we're drawn to it, just like they are drawn to yeah. what they're. Yes, everybody's passion. Everybody has, no matter what you do. You know, that's what you work at, and you want to show people what you can do, and hopefully, you get people that are entertained by entertained by it, and. 
they enjoy it, and that's why you do it. No matter you know, no matter what it, what it is, you know, they're like, oh, you and your movies, trying to show your movies and TV show. It's no different than a guy that wants to fish, and he is a fish. We have a guy that's on Fox 13 all the time. Hey, it's me, Danny Weber. I went out and got bluegills today. Look at all this. It's a show. And for, you know, I don't really, you know, I think it's cool that he, he's got it, but I'm not the fisherman I was, you know, 50 years ago when I was my with my dad out on, on Big Deep Lake in Minnesota. But so I understand it all, but, I, you know, I'm not the target audience for a fishing show or a bowling show or a golfing show. But somebody comes on talking about movies and acting, I'm right there, man. I want to see that, and I hope I do the same thing. For those people, they'll watch my show, they'll watch my TV show, they'll watch my movie, they'll read my comic book. Um, same with you. You want them to read your books. You don't, want to, you don't make the books so you can wallpaper your room with them. You, you publish them so people will read them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If that's your lot that's in life, if, if that's what you subscribe to, then you wear it on your sleeve and entertain people for it. Yeah. And, and you know. That's I mean that's just the whole bottom line with people like us that that yeah. create and do you know stuff like that. So yeah. and, uh, people that I work with in my day job they found out that I wrote a book and they're like oh my gosh you wrote a book why are you here and I'm like um it's called Books a Million for a reason. It is. I've actually like I've been at movie premieres and stuff and people come up to me later and they go. Or they'll either say it to me, um, or they'll, like, this one girl in particular said it to her mom. She's watching the movie Stop Dead, where I was with um, Debbie Rashan, played my wife. And, I, I mean, I guess I did a great job in it, or a good job. And the girl asked her mom, she goes, Mom, my God, why isn't that guy in L.A.? And I've heard, I've heard that from a lot of people. Why isn't Joel Weinkoop in Los Angeles making television shows and big movies? Why is he still being this little king of the B-movies, doing little B-movies. Why isn't he out in L.A. with his own television show? And I do, you know, I'm not trying to like, toot the own horn, but I hear that a lot from people that see my stuff. They're going, why aren't you in Los Angeles? Why aren't you make? Why aren't you on the television show Supernatural? Why aren't you in the new Batman movie? Why aren't you, you know, in the new Star Trek? And shit like that. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not SAG for one thing. You know, I was always told by other you know, SAG actors and stuff. Uh, one guy from Star Trek, I was talking to him in uh, Star Trek Voyager, and he's like, well, first of all, you're you're uh, in West Palm Beach. You're not in Los Angeles. You need to be in Los Angeles. Well, I don't want to go to Los Angeles, but it'd be nice to at least, you know, I mean, you hear it from just random people, but to hear somebody from like, like, uh, um, I can't remember she did, I can't remember her name now. I don't, I don't think it was Penny Perry, but she did the casting for The Fall Guy, the television show back in the 80s with Lee Majors. I said on my demo reel, she told me, come to Los Angeles now, and I will audition you for the fall guy. I just didn't have the money to go to Los Angeles. But if I probably did, she probably maybe would have auditioned me, and I may have got to be on the fall guy, and that's what starts your career rolling. Once you start doing these, like, mainstream TV shows or movies, and um, maybe it's just in my whatever that I'm to be, you know, just – I have this little name, King of the Bee Movies, not, and people go, created by Joel. No, bullshit, I didn't create it. Alternative Cinema said that way back in 96 because I'd done all these movies, and they said, you know, Joel Wank of King of the Bee Movies, and that's what started that whole thing, and then I think there was a disc jockey or um, 
from um, uh, the radio, a radio station also in uh, Los Angeles that started saying that because he was watching the movies. Because my movies are all over the place. It's not like, you know, oh, you got this one movie in a, in a video store in Tampa. No, bitch, my movies are all over the country and all over the world. Come on. You know? <laughs> I got movies in other countries in, in a ton of different languages that I don't even know what the hell I'm saying. But I know I've seen them that people say, Here, here's your movies in France. Here's your movie in Germany. Here's your movie in Japan. It ain't my voice coming out of it, you know, but those those people know, and that, you know. I mean, if you yeah. want, you can just be like, I'm just thankful for that. But on the other hand, you're also like, man, you'd like to ha- anybody would like to have the money. It, it's no different than working any job. You work for a job. When I started, it was like $3.35 an hour. I mean, and now you're up to 15 Yeah, if you're doing any job, you'd love to get $85 an hour. But unless you're a lawyer or a doctor, you're not getting that, you know. So, yeah, yeah I want to make money at it, but... At the same time, I'm just going to keep doing as much as I can because I think right now for at least Tampa, I, I think I've done more than any at one actor at a time, you know, that has done so much stuff. You know, I got over 200 movies now, and there's other guys, and it's fine if you got 50 or 60. And, and the sad part is then you say, if they say, like, how many movies have you done? Or they'll go like, well, I've done uh, three movies. How many movies have you done? And I'll go, I don't know, 210. Oh, yeah, but your movies, they don't count. Those movies suck. I do greater movies. Or then you get the, then you get this shit. Well, it's quality over quantity. Well, fuck you. That's, you know what? That's a defeatist attitude. That's when somebody, you're with them, and then when they get that level, where they're doing a whole bunch of stuff, and if you say that to them, they're like, fuck you! Oh, but 20 years ago, you told me it was quality over quantity when I had all these movies, and you didn't. Now you have a bunch of your artwork, and you want to say, and you got a big, big setup, and you're like, look at all my work. If I walked up and said, yeah, well, it's, it's uh, quality over quantity. Fuck you, man! I did all these pictures, you know, they would be pissed. But so... <laughs> It's for them to say it, and but if you say it, you know, and and that's become that's where the people get, you know, I even know one guy, I know one person that she said, well, I've done so many X amount of movies, say seventy, eighty, and the other person goes, oh, so have I. Oh, you're great. Are you? Are you? Are you insinuating you did your two little movies compared to this other person that did 70 or 80? There's no comparison, man. Don't, don't get me. And that's not me. That's from a, a friend of mine that I know. I'm like, don't, don't, don't try to give me that, man. So don't do the mentality where, well, yeah, you did 200, but I did two Hollywood movies. My two Hollywood movies, I'm better than you because yours is bullshit movies and mine's Hollywood. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, you were stockbroken in the background for 12 seconds. Oh, yeah, this is actor. I am so sorry. Let me kiss your ass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny is um, a lot of the things that you're saying remind me of, well, briefly, back in the late 80s, my back horror novels were in uh, um, supermarkets all over the U.S., right next to Stephen King's. D, uh, Dean Arcoontz's, you could walk into Albertson's, uh, you know, oh, all kinds good. of stores, and and um, and I still didn't make enough money. Uh, I worked at, like, Video Giant, <laughs> and people used to go across, 
the straight to Albertsons and buy my books and have me sign them at Video Giant. And the the um, uh, manager would say, "What are, what are you guys doing here, Nick? Just uh, keep working. Uh, 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 shuffle those those boxes of videos." <laughs> but anyway, um, um, I wrote the novelization for Halloween Four back in the day, which became wow. something. And uh, and uh, I remember I went to a bar um, one time later on, and somebody was talking. Of, we had a conversation, me and some people at the bar, about uh, about writers, and, and they said, yeah, there's a guy that wrote Halloween 4 that lives in a mansion over in Roseville. Uh, and I'm going, really? What's his name? Uh, I think it's Nicholas something. But uh, and I'm going that that's me, and they wanted me to show my driver's license, and I, I'm telling them that you know I'm not. They didn't believe me. I, 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 yeah, I mean I don't live in a mansion, uh, and uh, you know just uh, I've come up with so many things like that where it's like oh that's not who you are. <laughs> yes, it is. That that's history. I did these things. More than a few times when Tim and I were going around and selling lost faith. Uh, I remember more than like ten people would argue with me. They go, "That's not you on the cover," and I go, "Yeah, that's that's me. I'm Joel Wine. Show me your license." And I go, "All right." And I show him my license. That's fake. That's not you on that cover. You're, you know what you are. You're yeah. some faker guy. That's not yeah. you in the movie. You're ripping yeah. people off. Yeah, and and I lie to everybody about it because you you don't live the you don't like have. Um, uh, a mansion and a Cadillac and a, you know all these things. They go along with what they think of his fame. You know you've accomplished things, but I mean you're not rich. We ain't rich. Yeah. <laughs> it's like and people associate success with uh, having a ton of money, and a lot of the times for people like us it just doesn't that that ain't so. It ain't so. I had a guy when I was I was wearing my stupid air shirt. I was delivering water way back in 1988, 89. And uh, he goes, and I told him about, uh, I told him about, I was, um, they go, oh, what's that jacket? Truth of air. I go, I'm in the movie. He goes, what are you hawking water for? I go, because not everybody that's in a movie is a big time actor. Some of us got to struggle. I'm still struggling now for everything I get, but, but people do. You can't blame them. That's the mentality. They think, oh, you're in a movie? You must have a big man. We did a, we did a video store sign, Kathy and I did. And um, this guy must have just been oblivious. He was so sweet to us, but he was spending a lot of time with my wife. And I was, you know, signing autographs and talking to people at the, at the video store that were coming in to meet me and rent movies and stuff because they had all my movies there on VHS. And one wow. kid was looking at my wife, and he's like, wow, you guys must be so rich. And my wife's just kind of, you know, she don't want to break his illusion, but she's like, oh, well, you know. And he goes, you probably got jets and limos. And she's like trying not to laugh at this guy. She's just like, Oh, he goes. It must be so hard for you because you, you know, your husband's a big star, and and uh, people are always coming to see him, and and he's doing these conventions, and uh, man, you guys just must be so rich. And Kathy's just kind of holding it together, like ah, you know, ah, ah, like that. And then she told me, what? She goes, yeah, he just was so enamored by you, and 
and just assumes it. And so that's so funny. You hear that, and I go, what? What? I drive a truck, man. I got to deliver a bottle of water. I've been doing that for 20, 20 years, and I'm making all these movies. And between, no, I'm not rich. I don't have a mansion. You know, I'm struggling every day of my life. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's all yeah. a stereotype. I mean, you know, I mean, um, but um, uh, we keep doing what we're doing regardless. Yeah, maybe we're legends in our own minds, <laughs> but um, not, with, not with our bank accounts. <laughs> I always said, um, because uh, Clint Eastwood said it, because, uh, and I can't remember the other detective, but he, but he said in Dirty Hair, he goes, you know who I am, Callahan? And uh, Clint Eastwood has Dirty Hair, he goes, yeah, you're a legend in your own mind. So yeah, I'm that's always where everybody gets that, that thing from, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I made jokes there. Harry was so that. awesome. Yeah, so someone to say, "Man, you're a legend." And I go, "Yeah, I'm a legend. I'm a legend in my own mind." That's <laughs> <laughs> so great. Yeah. But we keep I, doing yeah. what we're doing, regardless of everything. And um, by the time before we die, we yeah. are say, yeah, we are about that to was be cool anyway. Off. Didn't make a ton of money. Oh, maybe we will. Maybe well, maybe I will. Um, I mean, we still have our lives ahead. Uh, and you've done so many things. I mean, you've got like a resume. Are you there? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I yeah. I thought that we got sleep off, but like, uh, um, over a long period of time. Too. We we are so, we know. are about to just be cut off, and before that happens, Joel, tell yeah. everybody where they can contact you. Oh well, my I, and I do it on my television show. I tell them my email, and I my my biggest thing is I think the best thing for Facebook is just communication. So anybody can find anybody if they're on Facebook. So if they go on Facebook and you don't have to have slash slash dot 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 backslash forwards all that bullshit, just go to Facebook, put my name in there, Joel D. Winecoop, and send me a friend request. Gotta get like fifteen friend requests a day. Most of them I think are like Facebook robots because I, I write the people back and I go hey. How'd you hear me? Uh, hear me? And they're like, "Fuck you! I don't, I don't even know what you're talking to me for." And I'm like, "Whoa, yeah. sorry, dude." And I delete them because I'm like, "What are you getting mad at me? I just asked a simple question." <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, that, that is something to be said. Good, that though, but man, good. you know, but IMDb uh, also. Yeah, they can. Well, yeah, um, they can if they want. If they go on Facebook, just put in Joel D. Wine, they will get me. Or if they can check me out on Internet Movie Database, they can see all my movies there. And um, pretty much any Google, if you just put my name in there, you're going to get, you know, my television show, my movies, my acting class, um, my Facebook, um, all the reviews of all the movies, you know. Um, so, yeah, there's a ton of ways. You know, people tell me something, oh, I can't get in touch with you. Really? Because there's like a billion ways you can get in touch with me. So I don't know how you can't get in touch with me because – you know, just Facebook it, alone. On there. All you, you know? have to do is Google it, just like I yeah. tell everybody every thing too. Uh, with the um, um, uh, next time we have you on the show, we got to talk about your acting class. We didn't cover oh, that okay. this time, but uh, that sounds interesting to me. Uh, we don't have time, but <laughs> no, um, yeah, obviously. Uh, 
Yeah, but uh, I can imagine you. I, uh, my acting coach for a couple of years was Walter Koenig in the 80s. That was really groovy. Walter uh, Chekhov from Star Trek. Oh, and, that, and, cool. Yeah, I played. Uh, he sectioned off the street one time in his neighborhood in Burbank, and we all played volleyball with his son, who sadly committed suicide after playing the Joker right. in that Batman thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I just told my wife I knew that. that. Yeah, I, Walter yeah. Koenig was my acting teacher. Um, uh, uh, partly how I got published uh, to begin. Well, I was going to say, didn't he start your publishing career? Wow, uh, that's uh, cool. Not my, uh, uh, but he got me published uh, in 1988 because his book, Book Alice and the Actor Robot, and I was in his class. His publisher's um, sister, Janet, was in the class. Hey, I wrote the book, and I send it to your, to your brother. And uh, uh, a couple of months later, uh, he wrote. He, he called me, and he printed uh, his book. Oh, Nick, you're breaking up really bad. That's the other stuff in the '80s. But I played volleyball with Owen and, and Walter, and and his son and Josh. Um, Wow. Well, my my brush with Walter Koenig was awesome because I did a convention in West Palm Beach, and he was right next to my table. And uh, we talked, you know, the, of course, people are coming by meeting him. They're meeting me. But in the meantime, when people aren't there, me and Walter are talking. He's um, talking with my wife. He's making jokes. In fact, when we went out to dinner, he ran over when someone went into the bathroom and he stacked all these chairs up in front of the door. So when the person came out, they'd be blocked in the bathroom. He just liked to play jokes. And so, when, you know, and, and I'm a fan of Star Trek. So I said, I said, Hey, Walter, I do want to get a, a, a eight by 10 of you here. And he's like, Joel, he goes, you are now my friend. You don't pay for anything. I go, no, Walter, no. I said, we're here to make money. I'm going to buy it. He goes, no, you are not buying it. Which picture do you want? I'll sign them all. And he was just such a great guy, you know. It was so cool to just hang out with him like that. Always cool. You know, he came out in the 80s called Moon Trap. <laughs> if you've heard yep, of it. Yep, Moon Trap. Yep. Uh, he invited me to the Director's Guild premiere, and I sat next to the I'll never uh, I'm, I'm losing the body. Yeah, yeah, I'm losing you completely. Yeah, I'm losing. I mean, he was trying to be man. Um, I think that uh, there's one movie that he directed and starred in, came like a year after that. I forgot what it's called. Um, That he really well with. Oh, forgot. Oh, I have it on DVD somewhere too. But Walter Koenig, I mean, man, you know, um, I had. Okay, well, I digress. You there? Anybody there? Yeah. It's just, oh, okay. I'm getting out of the word. Yeah. Anyway, I think we got to probably end the show. But you know, we've, yeah. we, we, there's so many things to talk about. Uh, well, we'll do it next time. Definitely next time, including your yeah. acting class. Your acting class. That's what got me started with Walter <laughs> about acting yeah. classes and things. 
Uh, I, I, oh, did you? Oh, before we shut off, I was in Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren. I was one of Skeletor's troopers as an extra. I marched down the street uh, in the plastic suits, purple suits, black suits, and I, uh, I also helped um, uh, on the rooftop uh, when they uh, staying on the rooftop with Dolph, and we got him, and you know, we, you know, handcuffed him, and um, uh-huh. um, and and I was also um, a wallflower in Night of the Creeps. Oh, and, cool! Yeah, my, my I, and also um, I I was in. I don't know what it's called. Uh, oh, I was also in, uh, oh, 52 Pickup with Roy Scheider. I was in that. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and there's this other movie, I forgot what it's called. It had the guy that played Bluto in Popeye, and it was a terrorist movie. And I sat in a chair, and he came up to me and grunted and told me to get the fuck off of his chair. Wow. Um, uh, and I and and I I, I was machine gunned down uh, with a bunch of other terrorists. Uh, oh, not um, what it's called, but yeah, I, I had my day. <laughs> oh, uh, right, cool. for, for, uh, for stuff. Yeah. I learned it's oh, better. My forte is to publish people and to write. Uh, but um, I mean, you know, there's nothing better. I, I wanted to be a rock star. Uh, at one point, uh, with a Bon Jovi meatloaf voice, and a, uh-huh. and I used to be a preacher in, in churches, an evangelical preacher that healed people out of high school. So, over the point, course of time, we can talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We both of us have like a vast life. How old are you? Yeah. You what? Yeah. Oh, okay. Don't want to reveal it. That's I'm 57. So. Oh um, no, no, I'm, no, no. I got no worries. I'm 62. I don't oh, care. okay. Okay. Yeah. So same kind of generation-ish. You know, trying to do our stuff over the past decades. Um. Anywho, Francie, are you there? I'm here. Oh, groovy ghoulies. Yeah. So, anywho. <laughs> well, you two um, have I'm a good in the swimming pool, too, but, I mean, you know, we all have our legacies. Uh, I'm more proud of you than anything. I mean, um, the, uh, you've got to. Someday soon, Joel, you're going to get uh-huh. a huge credit. The more you do, people are going to pay more attention to you. It's longevity and it's perseverance. That's I. That's why I said that quote I made up years and years ago. It's on the beginning of my television shows. I say, uh, uh, never give up, never quit, and always stay hungry for your desire. Because I have to tell myself that. Because a lot of times I'm like, screw it, I don't want to do this no more. It's too hard. And I have to yeah. look to that quote myself. The thing that keeps me going the most, man is, um, and it usually happens this way. I'm like, fuck it, I'm doing this no more. It's too hard. I hear from somebody on Facebook, you know, 
Facebook requests, and I go, hey, how did you hear of me? You know, and I was telling you how the people are like, well, fuck you, I never, I never heard of you. I didn't even send that. And I'm thinking, okay, sell that because Facebook will send robots, I guess. But there's some that I do, I go, how did you hear of me? They go, are you kidding, man? I love Jim Dirty Compton. I'm going it and creep. I love Lost Faith. And it's great to see you, and I love your acting. Please keep doing your movies. I love your – and that's what keeps me going. If I don't hear that, I'm like, nobody gives a shit, so what am I doing it for? That's um, what keeps going. That, yeah. uh, there's a lot of that that keeps me going, too. Um, I don't know if nobody cared and I, I, if that would keep me going or not. People do. And in my line of work, I've got like 200 authors to care. And I've got yeah. a lot of, you know, things, you know, that keep me, like, inspired. Um, yeah. And just like you, I mean, you've got people that keep you inspired, too. You've got to keep doing what you're doing because, uh, Joe, it's your legacy. It's your legacy by now. I mean, you didn't start this yesterday. <laughs> you have a longevity and a resume and everything that can boost you up even further. Unless you, like, killed over tomorrow or something, you've got this to keep boosting you further into the place that you want to be. Yeah. It's, it's going to happen. That's, you know, that's that's what, you know, keeps me going. I, I had earlier, like 20 years ago, when I was working on Brain Robbers from Outer Space, I was saying, you know, I was telling the director, Garland Hewitt, I said, it's hard, man, because, you know, I worked hard at this, and I'm, I'm still working hard at it, and I'm really, you know, I'm doing a lot of things. I have Screaming Insanity, Truth of Air, Killing Spree, Lost Faith, Wicked Games, Alien Agenda Series, Rot, you know, um, doing great, but not not that following or like a, not, I don't even want a Tom Cruise thing. Just give me something that's, you know, showing worth your effort, the money you're making at it, because that's, you know, I, you know, people go, oh, it's a good little hobby. I fucking hate the word hobby. You know, this is my career choice. Yeah. So yeah. I do so much that, that's what I'm working for is to be able to say, you know, I've reached, you know, you're at a plateau. I want to reach the next level, you know. And even with my television show, and I told you this earlier, that's hard because not only do you say, hey, watch my TV show, but everybody's like, how do I watch it? I don't get it on Spectrum. It doesn't come in. I had an auction playing. I don't know how to – I don't have roof. I don't have cable. I got rabbit ears. I don't have – you don't have the stuff. To watch the thing, I understand you don't have it, but and then it goes back to what I said, where some people go, well, one guy said he goes, I don't get it in Georgia, dude. The whole fucking world can get the show, you know. You're not trying hard enough. So my wife sends the Roku directions, and he goes, okay, I got it now. There you go. It's so simple, but nobody. It's like I want that apple in the window. Well, it costs a nickel. Oh, forget it. I'll just eat some of my fingernails instead. I'll go home and eat. My- you want me to go get a nickel to buy a hat? It's too hard. It's too hard for yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> that would be frustrating, but always persevere. And then other people, instead of those, they get it and they listen. So, yeah, I mean, um, Jish, I mean, you are Joe D. Winecoop, my friend. <laughs> So you you have a legacy. You've put up 
imprint on this planet. Well, you too, man. You got your books. Come on. We both got to take credit for what we do. So Yeah, we do. Well, you and me and... Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and keep doing it. Keep going. Yep. Keep going, dude. Maybe I'll yeah, drag you. Dude, maybe I'll drag you. Yeah, I mean that's the uh, option. You 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 can quit, or because I see a lot of people um, that just give in and quit, and you won't get anywhere if you quit. You 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 have to take thousands of rejections, and believe me, I've had them all. So. Um, but you gotta, it doesn't matter, you know, people reject you no matter what you do. If you want to be a school teacher, a doctor, a writer, an actor, fisherman, whatever, you might, you know, fisherman might go to the Joe Fisherman, yeah, I want to be like you, man, I'm going to be, okay, you got to do this, this, and this. You might have to do that hundreds of times and get rejections all the time. You just got to keep going. But it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to do that. Just like with plumbers, just like with uh, exterminators and um, and um, people that I mean any 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 profession. But um, I, I really do think that we're blessed with our path, with entertaining these people, everybody that we can reach that likes what we do, because like if we were musicians, they can listen to us and dig our grooves when they're working or they can um, like chill after they watch a great movie with us in it or read a great book that I published (laughs) Uh, one of my many wonderful authors I mean so many I mean people no matter what their profession is look to entertainment like like us to um, to you know help them out throughout the day with whatever yeah. it is you do. Uh, so it's really, it's you know, there's a niche to us, just like there's one to them. There's a purpose in this world for all of us. Yeah. And, and you've realized your purpose. I've realized mine. The plumber yeah. realizes his. Uh, they know the blah, everything else and stuff. We're entertainers, essentially, to, like, give them something of a break and and yeah, dig what we do. And, and a plumber makes a hell of a, you know, that's a hell of a job. My dad wanted me, he goes, you should be a plumber. You can be a plumber. They make, like, 40, 50 bucks an hour or something, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. You know? yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no, nothing at all. Our job is to uh, entertain the plumbers. That's our yeah, lot in life. That's what we're supposed to do. We we are we're, when you come all the way come down to it. You're in a, I say that on my shows. I go, hey, you're not going to see Independence Day here. I go, this is why I call it no budget cinema. This movie cost me six dollars and ninety five cents. You know, I make a joke of it. This last one I did cost me six thousand dollars. That's a lot of money for me to have to put that oh, money. Wow. Yeah, but when I, I say on the show, I explain to people, I go, if, if you're here to see Independence Day, change the channel, watch Independence Day. I go, this is my movie, especially for the Craiglon incident. I explained how, you know, on the on the on the intro, I explained how I put it together. It was 
when the pandemic hit in early 2020 in March, they were saying on TV, don't go anywhere, don't see anybody, don't breathe on anyone, stay home. And I told my wife, I go, they can't tell me to stay home. What are they talking about? She goes, yeah. I don't want you going and going out and, you know, stay home if you can. I go, well, I'm going to go make a movie on my front porch. And it started out as something stupid. It was going to be 20 minutes long, and it turned into three movies, you know. So I, the whole world was sending me, you know, people from Japan and Thailand and Sri Lanka and Australia and Denmark and Germany and, you know, all, all over the country sending me footage to put into my movie. And, and that was all because you had a simple idea to do it and yeah and i don't thank the pandemic because a lot of people died in it i think it was horrible but i, I never would have made that movie if there was no pandemic because the only reason i did it is because i was told that i couldn't leave my house and go do anything so i said well, i'm going to make a movie on my front porch and it just blew up from there damn yeah, well, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Even in this day and age, too. I mean, with the equipment that we can buy from 50 bucks on Amazon, we can make our own movies. You know, we can just, you know, I mean, technology nowadays is not what it used to be in the 80s or before that. I mean, man, we can. The big, well, even if you had a uh, big 16-millimeter camera and you're trying to shoot on that, or even if it was an 8-millimeter, or then you, even when we shot yeah, on Super V, it was a big, heavy camera. Nowadays, you just go buy a fucking phone, and you're out there shooting in 4K going, okay, holding a phone up and shoot it, and you edit in the phone, and you're done. You're not, you know, going, like when we did Killing Spree, like Tim would say, he goes, well, we shot, you know, we shot on 16-millimeter, so we had to send the film away for the dailies. Well, they're not really dailies because you're not seeing them for two weeks later because the film company we used to do the dailies were taking so long to get the dailies back. It was almost seven days later. You're looking at dailies, and you're like, that was a complete waste. we got to shoot that whole thing over again. (laughs) When Video Assist was created, it was the greatest thing because the guy was like, he was telling the director, and the director's like, oh, I'm not going to be able to look at this. He goes, no, you come over here and you look here. This is video assist. This is why we have this. You can watch what you shot here is going to look like what you shot on film, aside from, you know, the actual film grade of it is not going to show up in the video, but at least he knew what he got. If it was going to be dark on film, on video assist, it would be dark. So if he looks at video assist and it looks great, he knows he's got a good shot. Boom, move on to the next scene. He's not like, oh, I gotta wait till uh, a week and a half to see how the shoot went today. You know that's bullshit. You know, <laughs> you know a lot of times I had to do that. You had to wait. You had to wait on the film production company. You're you're waiting on something. You're calling them on the phone and you're like, hey man, are you uh, are you gonna send this? You know the well, we're busy now and you know and we're doing the Mickey Mouse Club here and we'll we'll we'll, we'll get to you in a few days. <laughs> like what? <laughs> And you have to wait forever and ever in a day. Yeah. It's so different now, though. I mean, we can do things ourselves more. We have more power with technology to get things done. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. exploiting it is a whole other animal. But still, I mean, you know. Um, anyway, Joel, I got to swim again. It's almost time. We got to talk. More later, this is an excellent conversation, and for the first time in a while, without yeah, any co-host, me, you, and Francie. Yeah, 
Thank you. Yeah, yeah and you I mean, can have a, hell. You're, you you're a force of nature. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you are. I love Joel. <laughs> I love Joel. Well, thank you both so much, and I hope you two have a great night. Oh, right, we will. And get, that, get that sink fixed. Speaking of the former. What's that? Oh, no. Well, it's, yeah, they might come tomorrow. We don't know yet. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll try and get back to you right away. I'm like, yeah, because I, you know. Yeah, and Nick, isn't that right? I'm not a fucking plumber, man. I'm an actor. Come on. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm exactly. Mundo. Exactly. Yes. We're all but, part of that. We're, we're creators. We we do what we do. So, you know, we entertain the plumbers. When yeah, they get weary after a hot day, they want to see a movie and they watch something of yours. Or they read something of mine, you know. I mean, yeah. uh, back in, uh, back in nineteen seventy-seven or seventy-eight, um, we had a leak in our bathroom under under the sink, and I went in there with my dad, and my dad's trying it, and I'm trying to help my dad, and all of a sudden, whatever we did, the thing came off. Water exploded out of it into my dad's face and my face. And we're both trying to cover my dad's like, son, put that thing back on. I'm the dad, I'm trying, but the water pressure is so it's blasting into our faces in the back. And we finally got it closed off and I go, Dad, he goes, What? And I go, I think we need a plumber and he goes, You're right. <laughs> and the plumber came in. All right, you see him. I got you two got to go. Right. You got to get to bed. I got to get out of here to the bed too. But I had a good time all talking right. with you all. It's been fun. Oh well, well, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, Joel. Again. Yeah. Yeah. That well, we'll, we'll talk, talk soon again and keep in touch. Let us know. Yeah. Just uh, like on Facebook and 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 all that stuff things. Yeah, I'll put. I'll put um, I'll do it right now. I'll put on Francie's. I'll put on that thing so you guys can, this Wednesday night, you can watch the show. Okay. Awesome. Nice. Awesomeness. Cool. Totally looking forward to I love you both. Have a good night. Uh, love you, uh, too. you too. You too. And, and I'm, glad, I'm glad we beat that other show. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. Definitely. <laughs> That's- Jason Aldean. Okay, Joe. Well, we'll talk to you soon. God bless. Yeah, have a good night. All righty. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Love that guy. Secret chord that David played, and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do you? It goes like this the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, the baffled king. Hallelujah, hallelujah, 
faith was strong, but you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof, her beauty and the moonlight overthrew you. She tied you to a kitchen chair, then she broke your throne and she cut your hair, and from your lips she Show it to me, do you? 
Amen. 